Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The 12 books of the Minor Prophets at the end of the Old Testament are somewhat hard to get into, and most Christians today have a hard time even remembering or naming them in order. Today, in our last life study of Malachi, we're going to bring you the kernel of all these 12 Minor Prophet books, which Witness Lee refers to as a wonderful, sweet kernel. This is Matt Miller, and I'm with Bob Danker. Bob, I'm glad you could be with me today for our concluding program. I'm also glad, Matt. This is really a sweet program. I hope our listeners will stay with us, Bob, because I agree with Witness Lee's word. This is the heart, the kernel, in the midst of a hard shell of the minor prophets. We've, We've been going through the minor prophets, and maybe some of our listeners could feel that hard shell. But today we're going to go back and pull out the sweet kernel I wonder if before we go to Witness Lee, you could kind of give a brief picture of this kernel. Yes, Matt, you mentioned a kernel and a hard shell. When you read through the 12 books of the Minor Prophets, uh, there are many, many things going on here in these books. Mainly, the prophets speak about uh, Israel's unfaithfulness toward God and God's attempting to restore them to himself and his longing that they would come back to him and then they don't respond to him, so he has to come in to chastise them. He has to come in to use the nations that surround them to to devastate Israel, to destroy Jerusalem and the temple and carry the people into captivity, just to deal with the hardness and stubbornness so that God can have a new beginning with his chosen ones. And then also the nations are in trouble with God because they are uh, absolutely lawless in their behavior, and they also invite God's judgment. So the prophets speak about this, the judgment of God on Israel and on the nations. But in the midst of this hard shell, there's a kernel. And this kernel, of course, is related to Christ, the expectation that he would come to be incarnated as a man, and he would die to accomplish redemption. Uh, And then he would pour out himself as the Spirit upon all flesh, And eventually he would come again, the second time, to bring in a new age, the age of the millennium, which is the age of restoration. So this expectation related to Christ is an expectation for revival. Yeah, Bob, uh, and and there's only one verse in the entire Bible that refers to revival, and it's in the Minor Prophet. It's Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. So I'd like to read that verse before we go to Witness Lee. O Jehovah, I have heard the report concerning you and am afraid. O Jehovah, revive your work in the midst of the years. Let's go to Witness Lee for his speaking in Anaheim, California on July 5th, 1992. I'd like to share with you the bird in the minor prophets. And what is this bird? This bird is revival. We are talking about a kernel within the shell. In the minor prophets, we have clearly a shell. And within this shell, there is 
a fine kernel. Marvelous. A sweet kernel. A kernel full of fragrance. Revival. 1943, I got arrested by the Japanese invading military police. They uh, investigated me. They checked with me for 30 days. Then one day, she said, tell me why you have the meeting of revival. He said, tell me, tell me why you have the uh, revival conference. Well, I said, uh, our church does everything according to the Bible. Then he said, show me what the Bible says. Revival. He threw to me, here's the Bible. Show me where you have revival. Listen, God can do miracles. It's wonderful. This word revival or revive is only used in uh, one book, Habakkuk. He threw to me that, here's the Bible. Show us where is the word revival. I said, you see, I just opened Habakkuk chapter 3. <laughs> right in front of me, chapter 3, and I saw that verse. I said, you see, sir, revival. <laughs> He was a Japanese. The Japanese all understand the basic characters in Chinese. And she read it. He said, okay. <laughs> that was America. I just, the Lord knows. I just, yeah. <laughs> After just like this, exactly about chapter 3. Bob, I always like it when Witness Lee gives these kind of stories. Uh, Back in 1943, imprisoned by the Japanese, and the Lord miraculously allows him to turn right to Habakkuk chapter 3 to answer his captor when he's put on the spot. He finds the one reference, the only reference in the Bible, which is on revival in the book of Habakkuk. Bob, how is this matter of revival a kernel in the hard shell of the minor prophets? Well, as we have seen Matt, the hard shell is related to the desolate condition of Israel and the nations that were surrounding Israel. And here is Habakkuk, the prophet, uh, reviewing this desolate situation. No hope, in a sense. No hope for Israel, no hope for the nations, no hope for anyone. And if everyone is under God's judgment and worthy of God's judgment. So a prayer wells up in the prophet. O Jehovah, revive your work in the midst of the years. An aspiration for revival rose up in the prophet. And um, it was a prayer. And uh, I really appreciate in the recovery version of the Bible published by Living Stream Ministry, there's a footnote on this verse. And I would like to read you the first paragraph of that footnote. That paragraph shows us the need for revival and the aspiration of revival. That's good, Bob. I'd really appreciate it if you'd read that. Okay. It says this. In his prayer for revival, Habakkuk represents all God's elect 
throughout the generations. Among God's elect there has always been an aspiration to be revived. Moreover, since the fall of man there has been in all creation an aspiration for revival. Adam's fall brought corruption, slavery, and death into the whole creation. Everything is decaying and is under the slavery of corruption. All the things that are under this slavery aspire to be revived. So God put in this prophet the aspiration for revival in the midst of a desolate situation. And when we look at Israel, all the nations, and we look at the creation, we see the decay, the corruption. What can we do but pray, Lord, revive, revive us, revive everything, make everything new, (laughs) renew and revive and restore. Uh, This is an aspiration that was in the prophet there, and the prophet represents all God's people throughout all the generations. Bob, that's a really good lead-in, actually, to our next section with Witness Lee. He's going to talk about this very thing, the aspiration in God's people. And uh, he also refers to a verse, not in his speaking, but in the life study itself, which is Hosea chapter 6, verse 2. And uh, I'd like to read that before we go to Witness Lee. He will enliven us after two days. On the third day, he will raise us up, and we will live in his presence. Let's go back to Witness Lee, and then we'll come back in fellowship after his speaking. I tell you, with our Christian life, up to a certain time, we become desolated. We become desolated. You just consider yourself. Don't you have, quite often, a desolation time? In other words, the church got into desolation. Right after I got saved, not too long, by reading the books, I get the word revived, not from Habakkuk, from Brother Nee's writing. Brother Nee has a paper entitled, A Paper of Revival. He has such a paper. So from that, I pick up the word revive. Then later on, all the time, within me, deeply, unconsciously, I have a kind of a desire, aspiration, a kind of spontaneous prayer. Lord, I like to be revived. Revive me, Lord. Since the time of Enoch, you have to realize among God's elect, always there is such kind of aspiration. Lord, revive us. A kind of aspiration. Lord, I like to be revived. Revive me, Lord. And you have to realize this aspiration as a kind of inner prayer always exists in us. As long as you are a saved one, especially when you begin to have a heart to seek after the Lord. This aspiration is always in you. Every day. Consciously or unconsciously. There's such aspiration. Don't think this is just Habakkuk's aspiration. This is our aspiration. We need a revival. Amen. We Christians need a revival every morning. If you have Christ, the resurrected Christ, dear saints, 
you are in the sin rising. And this is real revival to you. Bob, I think we've really touched the heart of the program here. And, you know, if we have the resurrected Christ, we're in the rising of the sun. We're in the healing of his wings. We're in revival, which revival we need every day. Yet the beginning of this section started out with desolation. And I think we all have to honestly say we go through this process, don't we? We do. Uh, There are times in our Christian life when we are not in a uplifted condition. Our condition is low. But deep within us, there is this aspiration which becomes our prayer. Lord, revive me. But what is revival? According to what our brother Lee said to us, revival is the resurrected Christ. If we have this resurrected Christ, we are in the sun rising. That means we are rising up. We're not in a fallen condition. We're in the condition of rising up in the resurrection of Christ. And this is emphasized in the second paragraph of this wonderful footnote in the recovery version of Habakkuk on chapter 3, verse 2. And I'd like to read that. This paragraph says, The universal need for revival, for restoration, can be met only by Christ and in Christ. Only Christ, who was resurrected on the third day, is the renewing power. For the whole universe and for all mankind— Christ is the reality of the third day. The reality of the third day is the person of the resurrected Christ with the reality of revival. Christ, therefore, is the element of the revival for which all creation aspires. The corruption and desolation can be swallowed up only by Christ's resurrection. The way to experience revival is to contact Christ by repenting and confessing our sins, failures, and darkness, thereby entering into him as the resurrection. This is the third day. Hosea said, after two days, he will raise us up. On the third day, that's resurrection. God would raise up his desolated people. So what does this mean for us? We need to enter into resurrection. And what is resurrection? Resurrection is Christ. He is the resurrection, and with him there is the renewing power, the rising up power, and the revival. The very reality of revival is with this resurrected Christ. Boy, Bob, I I just want to linger here a little longer because I just feel like we've touched the heart of Witness Lee's burden and the Lord's burden. I mean, the Lord, in raising Christ from the dead, wants to bring us in to that very enlivening power. I mean, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, the prayer of the apostle was that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that they would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. That power is the resurrection power. It's the reviving power. It's the enlivening power, the power to raise us up out of any degraded or disappointing situation. That's right, Matt. This is very good. Christ is this very resurrection with the reality of revival. When we have him, when we touch him freshly in our spirit, there is, as you said, a enlivening, reviving power that renews us, that raises us up, and that enables us to live with him in resurrection. And this is what the prophet aspired for, 
And this is what all of God's people aspire for, and even the entire creation aspires to be renewed and revived in the resurrection of Christ. Bob, I I really love this point. Uh, I just wanted to point out one more thing before we go on. is, is before the prophet Habakkuk prayed for a revival, he said, I have heard the report concerning you, and I'm afraid. It seems like this is almost the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as Proverbs says. Uh, You know, there's a real humbling and acknowledging we really need the Lord, and we need the Lord's mercy for that, don't we? We do, Matt. Let's go on to our final section with Witness Lee. I'm going to read a couple of portions from the Minor Prophets. Uh, The first one talks about the Lord stirring up the spirit of God's people, and the second one talks about the Lord pouring out his spirit. The first one is from Haggai 1.14. And Jehovah stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of Jehovah of hosts, their God. Then in Joel 2.28 and 29, And afterward I will pour out my spirit, Upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, indeed even upon the male and female slaves, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. Firstly, I point out to you the aspiration of God's elect, that is the Seeking after revival. The now here, uh, the outpouring of the spirit. Could you dream that in the 12 minor prophets, there is such a wonderful thing. The wonderful thing. The outpouring of the spirit. You and I, we need this. Every day we need the outpouring of the spirit. This is the all-inclusive consummated, compound, the life-giving spirit. When at Pentecost, the spirit was poured out, by then, up to that time, the spirit was no more merely God. At the Pentecost, the outpouring spirit was a consummated spirit. And he was also the compounded spirit. Compounded with Christ's divinity, with Christ's humanity, with Christ's death, with Christ's resurrection, even with Christ's death's effectiveness, and Christ's resurrection's power. And this is the compounded spirit who was proud on the day of Pentecost. That outpouring spirit was a consummated God. That's our portion. That's our inheritance. The Bible tells us once the Holy Spirit, the consummated, life-giving, compound spirit comes into you and dwells in you, he will never live. The Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Quite often, you grieve. You have to realize, that was not you grieving. It was the Spirit. You are in something not so good, in something not so holy. So the indwelling spirit is grieved. 
That is, they can't steal me up. You lost your temper last night to your wife. Even till today, you cannot pray. You don't have the peace. What was that? That was the stirring up. All the spiritual things every day is taking place within us. Whether negatively or positively, the principle is the same. If you take care of this revival, then you believe me, you will be strengthened. You'll be encouraged. We need such a Bob, it's a great word in the Minor Prophets that the Spirit would be poured out, and in response to the Spirit being poured out, our spirit gets stirred up. I really like how Witness Lee applied this at the end in a very practical way. Yes, Matt. I feel like we could say that revival is not something that we have to expect in the future. It's something that we have within us because we have this wonderful, compound, consummated spirit of the triune God in our spirit. And this spirit, moment by moment, is moving in us, in a sense troubling us when we're in a, involved in something that is contrary to him. He is grieved within us, and we sense this inward grieving. This is a stirring up of our spirit. In a sense, it seems negative, but it's not. It's very positive because based upon this stirring up, we repent. We confess our failures we confess our shortcomings and our sins and offenses against God, and we're revived. We touch this spirit anew, and the resurrection power and life are released within us, and we get renewed a little bit more, moment by moment. So really, the reality of revival is just Christ himself, and this Christ has become the life-giving spirit, and this life-giving spirit is within our spirit. So we can be revived at any moment by the working, the operating of this wonderful spirit in our spirit. Bob, we started out the program today talking about the wonderful, sweet kernel in the Bible, which is revival. And I feel like we've ended with the secret to get into the kernel, which is the spirit with our spirit. The spirit, the compound spirit, the consummated spirit is with our human spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians six seventeen: he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So uh, I really appreciate this kind of a practical word. I hope our listeners, as they're listening, could really come into this experience of revival, whether they're in a down situation to have the aspiration to come up, or wherever they are right now, they could really touch the Lord as the revival, as the resurrection one. Yes, Matt. When we're in a down situation, it means we're away from the Lord and we've involved in something contrary to him. What should we do? We should repent. We should say, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me with your blood. Immediately, we will sense the renewing, the rising up power within us. This is the wonderful spirit in us. Well, Bob, a wonderful program today. I appreciate you coming in and doing it with me. It's always a pleasure, Matt. And thank you also for listening. We hope uh, you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Call us at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. If you'd like to get the materials or ask us any questions, we'd love to talk to you. Or just send us an email to radio at lsm.org. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today. Dear Lord, we give ourselves to you.
God views the church, the redeemed believers, from a heavenly perspective. Far from seeing her as defeated by the power of sin and sins, God views the church as the triumphant and glorious counterpart of Christ, who fully expresses the one who fills all in all. In The Glorious Church, Watchman Nee discusses four significant representations of the church in the Bible. Eve in Genesis chapter 2, the wife in Ephesians 5, the woman in Revelation 12, and the bride in Revelation 21 and 22. In each instance, he presents the church's high calling to fulfill God's eternal purpose. Recently discovered handwritten notes supplement this new and fresh translation of the glorious church, making it the most complete record of the messages given by Watchman Nee in the fall of 1939 and the fall of 1942. The appendix, The Overcomers and God's Dispensational Moves, is a significant never-before-published portion of these notes. The Glorious Church by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available now at Christian bookstores or call 1-888-543-3788.